All right. If you got a Bible, open up to Luke chapter 15. We're going to just jump right into it today. Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to read a big chunk, so bear with me for a little bit, but uh, we'll, we'll start in verse 11. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The young one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and, uh, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. The gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, so here's the scene. Uh, Luke sets it up for us at the beginning of the chapter, uh, the first few verses. Jesus is there and gathered uh, around him are, are two groups of people. Uh, Luke calls one group uh, the, the tax collectors and the sinners. And that group was there, Luke tells us, because they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Uh, and then there's another group of people, uh, people that Luke calls uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Uh, and this group is doing what this group always does in the gospel stories. They were uh, kind of muttering amongst themselves, criticizing the things going on. And, uh, and then you have Jesus there uh, trying, to, trying to teach them all or teaching them all. And so two groups of people, one there to listen to Jesus, one there to criticize. Uh, and so essentially we have church happening. Uh, which, don't laugh, 
Because it's true, we know it, and we all assume, we all assume that we're the ones trying to come listen to Jesus when truth be told, we're probably not. Um, anyway. Uh, and so Jesus, uh, he has this group, and he, and he wants to teach them uh, a lesson. He wants to, to, to deliver this message. And so he gives this message, and the message takes form in, uh, it's one message in three stories. We just read the last part of it, but uh, he starts off and he tells a story about a lost sheep, and then he tells a story about a lost coin, and then the story about the lost son. Uh, at least that's the headings uh, the NIV Bible gives it. Your, your Bible might give it different headings. Um, but anyway, the first story is about a shepherd who has 100 sheep. One of them gets lost. The shepherd goes out, finds the sheep. There's celebration. The story's over. He goes to the next story. This time, it's not a story about 100 sheep, but it's a story about 10 coins. And it's not a shepherd, but it's a widow. And this widow loses 10% of her life savings. Uh, she goes on a mission to find the coin. She finds the coin. There's celebration. The story's over. And then the third story, it's not a shepherd, it's not a hundred sheep, it's not a widow, it's not ten coins, it's a dad and he has two sons. And, and you, you might notice kind of the, the progression of the stories that the, the stakes get a little bit higher and higher each time, uh, from a hundred to ten to two, and, and, and likely the, the sheep probably just kind of wandered off innocently, you know, and, and the, the widow probably just misplaced her coin, but, uh, but the son... The son actively rebelled against dad and left. And so uh, with each story, things get a little bit more uh, intense. The little brother goes up to dad one day. Says, dad, I'd like my inheritance. Uh, this was uh, kind of an unheard of situation happening. Uh, it wasn't very common uh, in, in those days for the father to distribute the inheritance before, you know, the father was dead. Uh, it did happen sometimes, uh, but it was never at the request of the kids. It was, you know, the father's choice. If dad wanted to decide to, to split up his inheritance, he would. But there is the stipulation in that that, that said, uh, if, if I'm distributing this out, I still get a benefit from the land while I'm alive. Uh, and so... The son asking the father this, I have heard and, and read in, in various places that, that it was essentially the son saying, hey, dad, uh, I kind of wish you were dead, but since you're not, can I have your stuff? And, and so the, the people who heard this story, it would have been surprising to them. It would have been shocking to them. Uh, one, that the son would have the, the audacity to ask such a thing from his dad, and two, that the dad would actually give it to him. But the dad gives it to him, and immediately the son sells off the land, which is, I mean, think about Israel for a second. Israel, I mean, a big, like a, the, the central part of their identity was, was the promised land, like, like, like all of this right here is like all about Israel, like getting to the promised land or leaving the promise. Like it's all about the promised land. And so, so getting a piece of the land and then just selling it off, this wasn't just a small thing. This wasn't just a, a, you know, a fast business deal, or at least it shouldn't have been. 
Uh, there was actually laws in place to, to protect this land because it was so important. It was part of the promise of God, part of the inheritance from God. And, and, and so there was all these laws to, to make sure it stayed within households. And if, if for some reason the household couldn't, couldn't manage it, it would at least go to the clan. And there was all these laws in place. And the son gets the land and he sells it off. And so essentially in all of this, what he's saying is, God, I don't really care about you. And I don't care about your promises. And dad, I don't really care about you. And I don't care about if, if my selling this land uh, impacts you financially at all. Because see, I've got places to go, people to see. I'm out of here. And so he leaves. Goes to a far off land, leaves Israel, right? And the situation keeps getting worse and worse, right? He doesn't go and take this money that he's got from the land and invest it wisely and make more money and then come back home and rebuy back the land and get more for his dad. Like, none of that happens. He, he goes and he wastes it all. And so now the land's gone, the money's gone, everything's gone. And as things get worse and worse and worse, he ends up with the pigs. And this is, of course, the, the, the last place that a, a Jewish person would want to be, living with the pigs, feeding the pigs. See, uh, through, through all of this, little brother was a little bit short-sighted. I'm not sure all of his motives uh, in, in all this. You know, of course, he was probably greedy. He was probably selfish. And I wonder if maybe foundationally, maybe the thing going on was he just didn't trust his dad. He didn't trust that his dad would give him the inheritance when the time came. And so he's like, I got to have it now. He, he was short-sighted. He only cared about himself. He only cared about getting what he wanted. And, and when you live life that way, focused just on yourself, and uh, what happens is we just go from one whim and one desire to the next. And, you know, we, we do what we want to do when we want to do it, how we want to do it, because we want to do it. And we don't really care too much about how it affects others. And, and we kind of trick ourselves to think that that's what freedom means, to be able to do what you want when you want. Because after all, Aren't we supposed to be happy? And when we live that way, eventually we will find ourselves in a place where we don't want to be. We will find that we have cut uh, ties with people that we wish we wouldn't have. And we will find ourselves, you know, isolated from one another, isolated from God. And, and, and see, the way the, the son treated the father in the family, it was a, a shameful thing. Uh, it would have been super hard to forgive such a thing. So the son finds himself completely desolate, right, in the gutter. And that's when his brain finally kind of kicks on. And he starts to think. And he, and he has this thought, he, he has this memory of dad, and it says in, in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, uh, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. See, he finally, in his lowest moment, and for some that's what it takes, he, he, he finally started to remember, hey, I have a good dad. And things weren't that bad back home. In fact, my, my dad was such a good man, he made sure his servants were taken care of. And I think in his, his desperation, he, 
he began to, to muster up the, the courage to ask a big question, the question of maybe, maybe. I have a good dad, maybe there's still a place for me at home, maybe. I don't know if you've ever been there, uh, a place uh, so desperate, a place so maybe void of faith that the only thing we could really muster up to ask is the question of maybe, maybe God still loves me. Maybe I haven't ruined everything. Maybe there is acceptance. Maybe there is forgiveness. Maybe there is hope. Just maybe, maybe God's not really done with me yet. Maybe. And so the son asks, maybe, right? And man, if I was him, I'd be scared. I'd be a little bit nervous. I wouldn't know what to expect from dad going home. And so he does what probably a lot of us would do is he, he makes a plan. And he prepares a speech. And he says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up. I'm going to set out towards home. And when I get there, I'm going to say, and this is in uh, verse 18 uh, and 19, he's going to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me a hired servant. And he thinks about the exact words he wants to say. And I can imagine as he's journeying home, he just goes over this over and over again in his head. And he thinks about just exactly the tone of voice that he's going to use, just how fast the words are going to come out of his mouth. Maybe he thought about, you know, just how he would stand. Would he fall on his knees? You know, like he's processing all this because he's desperate. And all he has is a maybe. So he heads home when he's thinking, all right, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I've sinned. Father, I've sinned against. And he practices it, and he keeps going over and over in his head. And, and finally, he gets closer to home, and he sees his house up in the distance, the house he grew up in. And he sees the animals and, and the hired hands. And he stops, and he hesitates for a second. And he takes a breath, and, and he just get, gathers his thoughts one last time. And he, he's not sure if he should keep going forward. And, and then before you know it, dad's there. And he didn't even get a chance to, to get this really nice speech he had prepared out. Dad's there. Dad's hugging them. And, and Luke kind of paints it in this, uh, in verse 20, this, this scene. It says this. It says, but while he, the younger brother, was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. While he was still a long way off. See, that, those, that phrase there, that paints a really cool picture. See, it, it paints a picture of a dad who would every day look up out into the distance and think, is today the day my son's going to come home? It paints a picture of, the dad, of a dad who is, while he was, you know, out and about with his daily activities, he was constantly and consistently distracted by this thought of his son out there somewhere and just wondering, is he going to come home? And so he'd look out into the distance to that far off place. And, and I could imagine that, you know, sometimes a, a figure would kind of come up over the horizon and dad would get a little bit excited. Think, my son, 
The figure would get closer and it would turn down the road and go another way. And maybe there, is a, there are other times when, when a figure in the distance would get closer and, and he thought for sure he recognized him and he would run up and only to find out that's not him. But then this day, he sees the figure in the distance. It's moving a little bit slow. It's a little bit skinnier than he's used to, but he, he's sure he recognizes that walk and he runs out and it's his son. And he grabs onto him. Son's confused. He's like, I've got this speech. I've got to tell him the speech, but dad doesn't seem to care about my speech. I've worked so hard on my speech. And he, and he finally gets an opportunity to tell him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Dad doesn't even respond. It's like he, he didn't even listen to this speech. He's telling this servant here, hey, go get the vat gev. This servant, hey, go get the robe. We're going to have a party. It's almost like the speech didn't matter. And now, if this were a story like the lost sheep and the lost coins, it would be over right here. Something was lost, it was found, there's a party, the end. But there's another brother. And this other brother, he's got his own issues going on, so he gets some screen time too. And, and it makes me think, because this story wasn't quite done there. Maybe it's not a story about the lost son. Maybe it's a story about two lost sons. See, because big brother, he had the same short-sightedness as little brother did. He had the same selfishness that little brother did. He, he had his own things. You know, little brother was all about self, and so was big brother. Little brother didn't quite trust his father with the inheritance, and neither did big brother. Uh, and, and little brother's mistrust caused him to, to take it and to run away. And big brother, his mistrust caused him just to work really, really hard, day in and day out. Uh, and, and, and so he set out to live a, a good and an honorable life and to prove to his dad that he was nothing like little brother. You know, I understand Big Brother. I get him. I, I, I can understand why he didn't want to go to the party. Totally get it. Because think about all the, the hurt and the pain that little brother caused the family, caused the father, the shame that, that he brought on the family name. Like, think about all that. And then, like, add to that, that this magical ingredient called time. Now, I know we say things like time heals all wounds, right? Which is probably true sometimes. So I guess it should be time heals some wounds. I, I don't know. But, uh, but I, I do know this. Sometimes what we really need, I mean, to get really upset about something, to get really angry about something, all we need is just a little bit more time. Like, I'm not angry now, but you just give me some more time and I will get there. And sometimes exactly what we need, uh, you know, for our hearts to grow really cold and really hard and really bitter is just enough time. Because, see, while little brother was out having all this fun, who was at home picking up all the slack? It was big brother. 
And there's one less person there to, to help with stuff. And so now it's Big Brother doing things. And when Big Brother couldn't do it, then, then Dad was doing it. And Dad's getting too old to be doing all this stuff. And how could Little Brother do this to Dad? And, and, and who is there to, to see Dad's pain day in and day out? And to see him looking off in the distance, distracted all the time. And to, to see the tears in his eyes and the pain in his voice. It was Big Brother. And then to top it all off, one day he's out doing his chores in the field, probably chores that little brother would have at least been helping him out with. Or maybe he's dealing with his new neighbors that little brother sold the land to, and they're always causing trouble. There's cars in the lawn. There's weeds growing everywhere, like uh, dogs barking. Like, and he's always putting up with these, these neighbors, and, and whatever it is, he's out in the field working, and he, and he heads to the house, and what does he hear? He hears music and laughter, and there's dancing. They weren't Nazarenes. Um, terrible. All right. He's hearing sounds that he hasn't heard in a long time. There's been a lot of sorrow and depression around the house. And so he wonders what's going on and he learns there's a party and he wasn't invited. No one bothered to tell him. I, he probably felt left out. It makes sense that he had the questions that he had. I would have the same questions like, hey, guys, what about me? I, I'm here. I was taking care of this stuff. How come nobody told me about this party? Like, I get why older brother doesn't want to join. You know, the, the really interesting thing about this story is we don't know what old big brother does. We don't know what the older brother does. We know he doesn't want to join. We know dad goes out and talks to him, and then that's it. The story's over. Like, we, we have no idea what he does. So maybe, maybe that's an open invitation to us to consider, and to consider people in our lives, right? Uh, to think about, you know, there's, there's probably people in many of our lives where, like, if we got word you know, tomorrow or, or next week that, that they have come to Christ and, and that they, they have experienced some, some life-changing things and, and they have put their faith in Christ, we would be genuinely happy about it. But if they started coming to church here, it would be really difficult because they've hurt us, because they've said some things, they've done some things, and we've had a lot of time to think about these things. And, and if they showed up here, it would be hard Maybe it's a mom or a dad or a sister or a brother, an ex-husband, an ex-wife. If they walked through the doors, it would be very uncomfortable. It would be very challenging. It would take some, some major work and healing to, well, to want to join their party. And so maybe the, the important thing in, in the, you know, Big Brother's part of the story isn't what Big Brother did. Maybe the important thing is what we will do. You know... In this story here, both brothers, they're very broken. They're very lost. Both of them operating out of uh, selfish mindsets. Both of them really trying to protect what they thought they deserved and they thought they were owed and thinking they had to cling to it, thinking they had to fight for it, thinking, you know, making sure that they're first in line because there might not be enough to go around and and the one thing that neither brother really knew is the heart of their father. They didn't understand 
what was going on in dad's mind. They, they, they didn't trust the, the, the father's love for them. See, because the, the father was operating in a completely different mindset than that. And the brothers didn't quite know. Now, now dad does let big brother in on it towards the end of the story. When he pulls him to the side and he says, son, you know, I, I get why you're upset, but you have been with me this whole time. And everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And, and that's the attitude dad took when it came to both of his sons. So when little brother came and said, hey, dad, can I have the, the inheritance? He said, yeah, of course, everything I have is yours. And, and when, when big brother was upset because, you know, he's like, I just wanted to throw a party with my friends. He's like, you could have done that anytime you wanted. Everything I have is yours. This is how dad operated. He's like, everything I have is yours. And when I read those words there in Luke 15, and about this dad, I can't help but think about this verse in Romans. This letter that Paul wrote to this church in Rome, and uh, it's Romans chapter 8, verse 32. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his own son. See, as Christians, you know, the thing we believe is that 2,000 years ago, God was born into the world. God took on flesh. And that God, the creator of the universe, made himself nothing, made himself a servant to all. And Jesus, as he walked around the earth, demonstrated and taught us and told us about this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, you know, the kind of love we sing about at church. But we didn't quite have ears to hear. We didn't quite comprehend. And so Jesus humbles himself further and submits to death, even death on a cross. And then he's buried and he's sealed into a tomb. All of this to, de to demonstrate to us this divine love and this attitude that says everything I have even my life is yours. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So I don't know, maybe it's not a story about one lost son or two lost sons. Maybe it's really a story about a loving father. Uh, I, I've heard, and you've probably heard things like this before, like maybe we should call this the parable of the loving father, or uh, somebody I've read this week said, maybe we should call it the parable of the running father, or, uh, or someone once said, and uh, maybe we should call it the parable of the prodigal father, and if you really, like, I had to look it up, like, what are you talking about? Because, like, who knows what the word prodigal means? So you have to look that up if you want to know. Uh, so, so it's this story of this dad with two very imperfect sons, the sinners and the self-righteous, the same people that were gathered around Jesus that day, the same people that gather each week, uh, you know, week in and week out at church every week, the, the sinners and the self-righteous, and a dad that, that intensely loved his children no matter what. And, and it didn't matter 
the foolishness that they've gotten themselves into. It didn't matter the, uh, you know, the, the rebellion. It didn't matter. Like, none of this was a barrier to the love of God. It, it didn't matter the, the quality of the speeches that they prepared because it didn't matter because speech or no speech, dad loves his kid. It didn't matter, you know, the life of devotion and, and good works. Though, you know, that's a good thing. But none of it worked to earn anything from the dad that already loved his boys. Uh, I um, came across this quote this week, and we're going to wrap up. It says, the love of God does not have to be earned. We are loved because we are his children. Because we are. If we feel that we ought to be loved because it is our due or because we deserve it, the less we will truly feel the need of God's love. The less implicit will be our trust the less we will cry out, Abba. Uh, we're in the season of Lent, as you might know. Uh, the season of Lent is just a time where, where really we come face-to-face with our, uh, our inadequacies, our, our weakness, our vulnerabilities, our frailty, you know, all of that, our, our failures, and, and we really just encounter that. Uh, and, and so as we are, are wrapping up, I just, I would really like to just invite you all just to take a moment and, and we'll pause in silence just for, for a bit and just to, to see yourself in these two broken sons. To remember moments in your life where you've rebelled and you've ran and, and you've done stupid things and sinful things and, and you didn't care. And I don't know about you, but even worse for me to think about is the times when I've been more like the older brother and I've been a little bit self-righteous and judgmental and looked down and, and you know, that feeling of superiority and, and all those things, those are a little bit more difficult. But just take a moment and I'm going to stop talking for about 20 seconds and just find your place in that story. It's my hope today that as we find ourselves in this story and we remember the ways that we have been so weak and so selfish and the ways that we have been inadequate and we have failed and, and all those things, that, that if we come face to face with those very difficult things to, to admit and to come face to face with, that, that in that in encountering our weakness that we might come face to face with the love of the Father. And we will see today and every day what great love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I thank you that your love and your grace just 
there's no end. That where sin abounds, your grace abounds all the more. That where, where pride rises, Lord, your grace is there. Where weakness and selfishness come, Lord, your grace is there. Lord, forgive us for those times in our life where we just didn't care what you had to say and we just did our own thing. And God, forgive us for those times where we were hesitant to offer the same forgiveness to others that you have given us. Where our own stuff prevented us from celebrating what you were doing around us. Lord, I pray you'd fill us with your spirit, fill us with your presence today. And pray these in your name. Let's stand together.
the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good do you believe that this morning you take what the enemy meant for evil turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy dismiss you with just a prayer of blessing. Lord, I just pray for these, your people here. For each family, each household, each individual, Lord, I pray that your presence would fill their hearts. Lord, that they would walk from this building today with an assurance of your great love for them. And Lord, that we would take that same mindset out into the world, into our workplace, into our homes, to those around us. May this truth fill your hearts today that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Go in peace. I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs.